I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. Travis, we're back again, buddy. One more time. One more time. Exactly. Well, hopefully more than at least one more. Like, hopefully we're going to do more than three additional episodes in season two. But this is uh, the episode three of season two. Is it? Yeah, that's how this is, works. Is this season two? We're, we're, so we're, I, I, what if I want, to, want it to be series two? I want to be British. Unfortunately, uh, iTunes automatically flags them as uh, seasons, not series. So. Oh, iTunes. It's racist. Uh, there you go. They're going U.S. They're going USD, not GBP, my friend. So there you go. Oh, well, season two it is. That's right. And today God, we're like a we're like a CW show. That sucks. <laughs> well, we have to get to like season ten for that. We'll run oh, this yeah. into the ground if we're a CW show. Uh, but today we're going to talk about. Yeah, something. I roll a thing. We roll a thing on this thing because that's what we do here on Undesign. I roll a thing, and then Vince talks about the thing, and then I talk about the thing, and then we're done with the thing. So what I roll. You rolled how much do dice matter, which has a wonderful irony. So that I'm sure we wrote that topic 17 years ago. So what were we thinking when we wrote that? What is what do you want to talk about with this thing? How okay. much dice matter? How well, much in, in what sense? So I, I was thinking a lot about this actually. I think a lot about this in general in the game, which is obviously tabletop role playing games rely from their earliest incarnation quite heavily on dice, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah, and and because it developed it, out of kind of board games and tabletop strategy games, right? So exactly, yeah, yeah, like fifty percent of the roots of D and D, specifically the Gygaxian side, probably is is more war game tabletop strategy, game. like chainmail and whatnot. Yeah, that kind of thing. The the Arneson side is is the role playing, LARPing, you know, storytelling side. I think, and those two came together in this wonderful soup that is D and D. But the dice. Have always had such an outsized impact. They're fa- it's fascinating to me, right? Because you've got from the moment your character is generated, because we still roll for characters, and we always did mm-hmm. when we were younger. Sometimes, so, yeah. Like I've never, I've I've maybe used a, I shouldn't say never. I've used a point by system a couple times in my life. I roll well, every for time you played Shadowrun. Sure, sure, fair, totally fair. In D and D in Rifts, I always roll for characters, right? Yes, Shadowrun. There's no rolling; it, it's a pure point I think by system. Probably anytime you played any White Wolf game, too. Yes, it's also point buys, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, anytime that sort of if if generating your character by dice is an option, that's what I'm going for. So from the moment of generation, and then throughout the life cycle of your character, you're gonna like let's just stick to D and D to keep the example simple, right? Sorry. I'm gonna make attack. No, you're okay <laughs> for just just for this for this thing. Yeah. So I can speak in one in one sort of glossary, right? One terminology. You're going to make attack rolls. You're going to make saving throws. You're, you know, and these can be hugely impactful things. You know, let's go back to second edition D and D to get real specific here. There was a saving throw versus death. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. When you were called upon to make one, a roll, one like roll that, of the dice. You know, a die to to decide whether or not your character lives or dies. Yeah, that was a big deal. Now, obviously, that's been minimized to some degree. Like, modern D&D doesn't have the one roll, you drop it, you die. But it has, like, you've got three rolls, and if you drop them, you die, right? So it's just... Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. Uh, and, and Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the impact of them. And even down into little elements. Skill checks, you know, when you're like, do you find this secret thing or not? 
Do you notice the enemy about to stab you in the back? You're not. Do you notice the cool clue or not? Right. Um, so there's just there's just a hundred examples of this in games where you make active defense rolls, right? Then it becomes like a lot of back and forth rolling. So I'm yeah. thinking about uh, you know something like riffs or other games where you have a parry or a dodge element, right? Um, there's there's just there's a lot of different ways that the dice manifest, and we seem to trust this random number generator quite a lot, which is a strange thing. If, and by trust, you mean you, you, we, we trust this random number generation with the flow of the entire narrative of our story. That's exactly what I meant. Yes. Where we're ostensibly getting together to role play and tell a story, but to keep it like dice are the neutral arbiter, right? That's what they become. They're this sort of unfeeling neutral arbiter we can go to to make decisions. And there are times when it feels very much like it's necessary. Like like an initiative role is an extremely helpful neutral arbitration, right? Right. Yep. Because initiative, like who goes first? I don't know. Like a, very occasionally, there's a clear cut, you know, oh, that person obviously goes first, right? Yep. But that doesn't happen very often. Usually it's a, I don't know, who would go first? Everybody looks at each other. I don't know who goes first, who goes first, who goes first? Well, we let the dice decide. Right. In cases outside of like the, what you're talking about, which is like surprise or something, right? Where you've sure. got just a sudden a sudden shock and, and somebody's jumped you from the shadows and like, okay, they're clearly going to go first because they're jumping you to stab you and none of you were aware of them. But in an average encounter where everyone knows, like everybody's there looking at each other and something's about to happen. Yeah, or a fireball explodes in your midst. Do you get out of the way or not? Mm. The dice seem like a pretty fair neutral arbiter for that, right? Because if you just let the characters decide or the GM decide, something feels strange about that because we like that there's an element of luck. It feels like there's a verisimilitude to it, right? There's an element of luck of, did you get out of the way of the explosion, right? Well, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, it, it that feels very correct. Like your expectations of, did you jump? Did you get clear? Did you make it? Well, you, you have to be lucky to do that. Hence the dice infuse that luck element, right? And it's certainly something that bleeds into like so many other games throughout history. It's it, That's what draws people to them is that that luck and the, right. random, the random thing that happens. Yep. Um, any game that's used dice has that, and that's why and people continue to play those games because it's it's fun to see what happens. Yeah, and what's fascinating to me about sort of the use of dice as an arbitration method, right, is that often they can be overused. So it becomes so easy that it can be the type of thing where it's just like, well, just make a roll. Well, okay. Do we need to use a role for everything? And this is something we did with NGS, right? We the very first step <clears> of our sort of decision tree workflow was does the should the character just accomplish it or not, right? right. Then just R make remove the unnecessary dice rolling. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I think this happens a lot where like people tend to roll dice for everything. Even the GM will call for dice rolls when it's against his own his or her own interest to do so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right mm -hmm. yeah there's a plot detail that the gm really wants the pcs to find because mm -hmm. it will yeah. start unlocking the story and send them down the right path so he'll call for a roll and then what'll happen the pc that rolls will duff it and then you're like okay <laughs> <laughs> what now i guess i gotta find some other way to shove this story in your face yeah yeah, yeah. right 
when what should really happen is the GM should just narrate at that point. You'd just be like, what do you, you your, know, okay. Your character has this ability to do this, so let him do it. You notice, as you're yeah. looking around the room, you said you were exploring, PC. As you're looking around the room, you notice that this painting is hanging a little far away from the wall. And when you move it to the side, you find a concealed door with a rune over it that means ancient evil. Right? See, like, this, this is difficult, though. It's a very difficult situation because some... Like, are, are, are you saying, well, dice rolls are, are important. You should use them when, when they are important or when they're not important. You know what I mean? Because is that an important thing to have a random element to? Or is, like, it, whether or not your character lives or dies something to have a run, random element for? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what's, sure. like, what's the big difference? Sure, sure, sure. It's, you're absolutely right. If I just say use them when they're good and don't use them when they're bad, I've effectively made sort of a vapid tautology, right? That doesn't really have any value. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm just trying to, to dig past it and find out what the truth is here. Absolutely. Here's my answer. For all sort of combat and, and combat adjacent things, it's generally a good idea and fine and acceptable to just use dice to resolve it. Mm-hmm. Because that's the very accepted quick way to to handle these sorts of things, right? Like you roll initiative, you roll an attack, or you roll a defense if that's into the game, or some damage gets rolled and blah, 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 right? Or whatever. Great. Now, I believe you can overdo that. You can have, there are lots of games that are over-designed in combat where yeah. you're rolling like way too much to accomplish way too little, but that's more of a game design element than like a a one or zero binary is are, are dice good or bad, right? Sure. We would have to take it by a game by game basis. Sure, certainly. Right. But for me, once you move away from that, the answer I would give is use dice outside of that sort of thing as little as possible uh, to still provide the PCs with an interesting you know, challenging randomized experience mm-hmm. while still maintaining your narrative. Let me give you, let me give you two examples to make this real. I'll, I'll, let me let me just give you two quick examples, okay? All right, Here here's an example. There is a, the PCs are trying to solve a murder. That's the point of this adventure, right? And there is a really relevant clue that at this point has become the single thread they need to find to blow open their continued investigations, right? If they don't find this, there's just no way they're progressing the story, okay? Like, maybe in other scenes, there are multiple paths forward, and maybe in the future, there are other paths forward. But in this, there's just one, okay? Don't make them make the roll. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or give them advantage on the roll, or whatever. You know, you let them roll twice. or let everybody roll so somebody will make it, or something like that. Just, just give it to them. Just stop messing around and give it to them. It'd be my answer. But here's my second example. You have a PC trying to craft something, a magic item or some special item for themselves. Let them roll it out and see how long mm-hmm. it takes them, especially if it's yep. the first time they're doing it. Because then the trials and travails of actually like sometimes failing that roll will make it more worth it in the end. And that's an interesting element to dice. When the number is difficult to achieve, but not not death determinative on the other side, right? So when what's on the other side is time or setback, but you can push through and keep trying, that becomes an interesting mechanic to use dice in. Crafting items is the sort of simplest example to go to, right? Where if you have to work hard over several months and you fail a couple of times, then finally you get it and you make that sword. You're like, yes, mm-hmm. you've earned that thing, right? That feels real. 
Does that make sense to you? It does. Yeah. So what were you going to say as far as that goes? Did I drive it out of your head? No. I mean, I was going to, to mention the fact that I, I have been guilty in the past as a GM of fudging entire games. Like, And by entire games, I mean the entire campaign. I didn't roll a single dice and care about what the dice said ever sure you were okay. rolling dice behind the screen yes and i was rolling i was rolling dice and dice were important because the smoke screen was important it was right. important for my players to think that i was rolling dice behind the screen that mattered as to what they were doing and how things were happening okay sure. Sure. every combat was a smoke screen every every roll for damage i faked um i would you know make a note i would scratch something on a pad it was just a bunch of random numbers it didn't matter like the bad guy was going to go down when it was time for him to to fall Right. And the good guys were gonna we're gonna we're gonna fall when it was time for there to be some kind of interesting action in the fight, so that the healers could do something to feel like they were a part of the situation. You know, everything that I did was carefully measured and completely fudged. Like <laughs> the the players actually had no random elements. Okay, the 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 only random element they had was my brain. Right? It was sure. what I decided was was going on there. Occasionally, I would I would bow to whatever they rolled because because PCs do have to make rolls sometimes, right? Well, that's what you're saying. You were rolling for them. You just mean for like for your the GM's rolls. Right. Those were all fake and all and already of my rolls were fake. But a lot of the times, what the players were rolling against didn't matter. Like I didn't have a hit point total for anything. Right. I, I never I never had a hit point total. It was just like, yeah, this this feels like this combat's going on long enough. It's time to stop. Sure. <laughs> okay. It's time for the enemies to go to die. And for the players to move on to the next whatever in in the story, right? Sure. And I I know this 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 would be very very like this is this is was was mildly upsetting to Tom when I when I mentioned something about this, because to Tom our friend Tom he's been on the podcast before and he's often with Vince on his other endeavors. Um, he he loves tactical combat, right? Right. And to take away the notion that he was his tactics were what won the day ruins the experience for him. So it's not something that I would reveal to your players if sure. you're doing this as a GM, but I think it is a valid way to tell the story still. Um, and I, it feels like it's undercutting the entire like RPG experience in some ways. It really is. It does feel that way, but my players came out of it thinking it was like the greatest game ever. Right. Yep. They thought yep. it was just like the best game ever because they were always on the edge of their seats and, they're still talking about those games to these days that, you know, to tell until today, it's like 20 or you know, so many years later. I like it. I think it's still a valid method. Like you can make dice as important or as unimportant as you'd like to make them. I think. I, I think that's a super good point because you bring up a really excellent division there, which is the difference in importance in dice between the players and the GM, right? Mm -hmm. For the players, the dice serve as an interesting obstacle to achieving their ends, right? It's it's there to somewhat frustrate them. Yeah. By the way, I want to dig more in on that that whole min-maxing for the the dice rolls thing in just a moment because I find that to be there's there's a lot to explore there. Yeah. Um, also, for, more in, invalidation from my, <laughs> the way I ran those games. Sure. But it was like, oh man, you spent all that time min-maxing your character. That's an awesome character. It means nothing. <laughs> like it means nothing. that's rough. You know what I mean? Go ahead. But for the GM, no, I agree with you. I I know other GMs, by the way, who who operate in this same way uh, that you've described. And like, I some... don't do it all the time. I did it for specific games, like I said. So sure. <laughs> and I'm not always sure they're doing it either. 
but I'm always happy when they do because I, first of all, I can't tell really, but secondly, I also don't care. I'll, I'll, let me share a good example. We, and this is like, I, I know this probably sounds like anathema to some people like, oh, you're violating some kind of sacred trust that the GM shall roll. And it's just like, whatever, who cares? The GM's job, beginning, middle, and end, is to facilitate a fun, collaborative story. Yes. End of mission statement. Nowhere in that title is be a dice roller or give even the slightest, slightest care as to what the dice say. Right. It and like you're, you are not a random number generator. That is not your purpose. Correct. And and like what'll happen is you'll get this pushback from players that's like, well, that's not fair. So, but what's not, fair? Fair about fair? Fair to what? Fair to you winning a combat or fair to everyone having a good time? Correct. And like yeah. the trick with this is, it is a bit of a high wire act because in the it's hands tough. of a, a good GM, this will craft the best stories ever because right, the GM's the control dice, of narrative flow. Yeah, exactly. Will never turn against him, right? And the hand, and, and that's just it. That, like, that situation you mentioned earlier with with this dice de- determines whether or not the PCs figure this interesting thing out about the plot or not. Yeah, that I, no, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. The PCs find the interesting elements. They do the interesting things. They see the things that are fascinating. They experience your story in a real and prescient way, right? And now, that's what, great. Do, do you think removing the smokescreen also removes what makes that game fun, though? Partially, yes. I think it has to be a bit of Schrodinger's cat, mm-hmm. right? Where it, 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 are you, in fact, rolling behind the dice, behind the screen or not? I don't know. And observing it would change the outcome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We, did, we did a little bit of Heisenberg. We need a little bit of Schrodinger, right? Yep. And uh, I think that that is actually a good thing because the GM should have full power to just cheat like crazy and whenever they want because it's not actually cheating. They're just, again, facilitating a fun, collaborative story. That is it. And your fare doesn't matter because in the hands of a good GM, He's he or she is not going to screw you over for no reason. That's not what they're there for, right? They're there to tell a story with all they're of They're there you. to guide your interesting character through an interesting story. That's what they're there to do. Right. And I feel like if the dice, especially for the GM, if you, if, you know, I've, I've, I've known these GMs who are like, let the dice fall where they may. Yep. Worst attitude ever. I hate that. I hate that. We, we, we've, I think we've played a few together under a few of those kind of GMs. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty rough. It drives me nuts because it's just like, well, is this going to be a good campaign or not? Who knows? Let's throw a dart at a wall and see well, what happens. A, a GM that functions in that way, the, where the, wherever the dice may fall, if the GM makes one mistake in preparation, like uh, I say there's eight shadows and there's only, there, there should have only been six. You know, right. I, I didn't I didn't think about how powerful the PCs were at that point exactly. I didn't realize that they needed like a magic weapon to be able to hit these things. And they only had the ability to cast, you know, one spell that makes one weapon magical and they have to fight these eight things with the one weapon. Like I didn't think that through or whatever. And suddenly the party's dead because I'm a where the dice may fall to GM. Right. Absolutely. And it's an arbitrary fight. It's, it's a, it's a fight that doesn't matter. Like it's just some, like it's a filler fight. Right. Yep. Yep. Now, 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 honestly, I, I don't, you know, you, I've moved past the filler fight phase of GMing. I don't really do that too much anymore. Yeah, we have, a, we have a whole topic about that, yes. 
but they do still exist in most people's campaigns in most people's games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but but a less important fight, I, I could even call it, right? I could just call it an interesting aside, as opposed as opposed to something central to the plot. And suddenly you've destroyed the whole game. Right. Right. Oops. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. They the the dice for the GM just end up becoming a shackle. Right. They're handcuffs. Mm-hmm that are stopping you from actually telling what you know is easily the right choice, doing the right thing and telling a good story, right? So in my mind, the answer is always you throw it out. Um, Here, let me tell, I'll share a particular example for this. So we played through the new version of Against the Giants somewhat okay. recently. It's like, I don't remember what it's even called. It's it's um like, it's it's one of the new D&D 5e campaign arcs that was sort of about, it's the the giant war one. Storm Giants, Thunder, Revenge, something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, the whole campaign you fight giants. They're not the only foes, but like it, it has to do with a big giant war, right? And uh, in the final battle, you actually end up confronting this blue dragon, this ancient, this ancient blue dragon that's been behind it all, right? That's been manipulating yeah. like the Storm Giants and taking over the Cloud Giants and like doing all these this sort of uh, moving the pieces around on the chessboard. So you finally confront this thing. And it's, you know, it's a great worm, ancient blue dragon. Like, it's scary. Even at the level you're at at that point. It is a powerful foe, okay? And my character at that point was a pretty high level. I don't remember where we are. Let's say 14 or 15 uh-huh. uh, When in the final battle. We were whatever the appropriate level was for the end of the game. Um, Blackguard Paladin. And what my character could do was just ramp into unbelievable amounts of damage. Okay. Just like I could spike damage real hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you kind of buff, buff, buff swing. It's not really buff, buff, buff swing. You can sort of buff as you swing. It's complicated. The point okay. is that paladins in 5e can be real spike damage monsters, but they nice. burn through their resources fast. Like yeah. you can smite evil like you've never smote before. <laughs> but if you do it, you know, you don't have much in the tank. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So on top of that, the GM had given us these potions that were like potions of super giant strength as gifts from the Storm Giant King for us saving them. So it made you like strength 29 and made you large and made you do like double damage with your attacks. Like you just actually multiplied by two all your damage or something. Okay. And it was supposed to soup you up for what they thought was going to be this very final tough fight. So instead... I get in this fight with this dragon. It flies up in the air. It had tried to do some sneaky things. We kind of had this little roust with it. It was a little, you know, this little, this little like cat and mouse thing for a few turns. What tried to be sneaky and clever and blah, blah, blah. And then finally it came to the head on confrontation. It flies up in the air. I fly up in the air to meet it on my nightmare. And I, in the span of two rounds, did about 500 damage to it. Oof. Okay. And not showstopper. And just killed it. Just knocked it out of the sky because the GM was like, okay, because the GM just used the what, book the as there, it existed. The dice that were there, yep. Mm-hmm. Right? And just let all that happen. And it was fine. In the end, nobody was sad about it because we all weren't very eager to actually have that fight. Like, we, we've mentioned before how combats are actually a pretty boring end to the game, you know? Yeah. So, actually, everybody was kind of celebrating that was there was a quick fight. Like, everybody was like, yeah, way to go, man. Like, nobody else in the party felt bad about this. <laughs> Because there had been a bunch of like emotional payoffs to the story of just we it was a really great adventure for all these complicated emotional interactions and bonds that had formed with like members of this council that had went to fight and just it was great stuff. So, well, this was a book adventure. 
Yeah, it's a book adventure. So that that's there. Well, there there's there's uh that's a telling factor then because obviously the combat wasn't the important thing. Sure. I don't know. And and, and book adventures sometimes do lean on combat. So. Right. Big difference. Yeah. And I I think what what, what happened was everybody felt like the conclusion to the story was completely rewarding because of all the emotional payoff that had happened for everyone's character. Like everybody's character had a payoff. And in the end, no one really cared that like the big bad had just been kind of stomped on. It reminds me of the end of the, the Buffy episode in the haunted house. I don't remember what the name of it is. But, or not the haunted house. Maybe it was. Oh yeah, the little, the little bitty evil guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they summon the fear demon and then just step on him, right? Because like, yep. there's all this emotional. He's like, he's like 13, 13 inches high. You know, he's like, okay, fear me. He's kind of cute. He's kind of yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make fun of the demon. Why can he hurt me? Well, no, but it's just rude. Um. Yeah. Exactly. It was that kind of thing. But yeah. my point is, is that like, there's a lot of things like that where you can just handcuff yourself for no reason. So I think that's a that's a good sort of summary statement. Is like. Use the dice. The dice are often the best when what's on the other side of them isn't like death or something like that. That can be fun once in a while to have those very high stakes things happening. But what's more interesting when what's on the other side of dice is things like setbacks, injury, uh, more time, time wasted, loss, right? Just the loss of NPCs you care about or emotional loss or, you know, just reputational Mm -hmm. loss in the game. When those are the things on the other side of the dice, I think that suddenly gets more interesting, right? Because then the narrative can kind of go and turn in unexpected directions. Right. The, hard, hard, hard story choice points shouldn't be dice, but other things could be dice. Yes. Choosing to drink from, you had mentioned a couple episodes back, like this well of knowledge, right? That like sure, turned yeah. you evil or whatever. Um, choosing Ultimate to power drink, corrupts, right? So Yes should be a, a choice. It shouldn't be a dice roll, right? Like there yep. shouldn't be a con check if you survive it. It should just be like, you you did this, now you have the consequences and we're going to deal with that in in very real role-playing terms. Not just like you made a roll, you fell in the water, you accidentally got something in your mouth. That would be the worst case, mm. right? Mm. Or you drink it, you made a con save, congratulations, you're okay forever, you have ultimate <laughs> knowledge and you're right. not evil. You yep. know, like, what are we even on about here? You know, it's just silly. Okay, well, to close out the episode, I'd like to ask you one more question, though. Yeah. So what about people who do like to roll? Okay, like even GMs who are like, like, like I mentioned, one of our friends very, very much likes tactical combat. Is it okay to do that most of the time? And when is it okay to do it? If not? I think the answer is yes. And that's part of the cycle that relying too heavily on the dice gets into. The more you have to, heavily— You have to that, remember that the two of us have very, very aligned perspectives on, on these things. I understand. Um, story matters. But then you have other GMs that aren't like that. It's, it's also, also tactical combat and dice. It's part of the game. And that's so fair. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's totally fair. Here's what I will say. The more you align toward the, the dice fall where they may, the more you naturally create min-max players. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you have to consider the incentives. Games are nothing more than than incentive mechanisms, right? And random elements, our incentive as a player is to minimize the randomness of it. So anytime we can accrue bonuses, re-rolls, anything like that that minimizes the risk, the downside, the loss. That is more powerful than learning more languages, knowing more skills, Mm -hmm. you know, taking more things that will help you in role-playing, whatever, right? So you're saying sometimes it does a disservice to those at your table who don't think that way. Correct. I'm saying that like 
if you want to manufacture a bunch of min-maxed PCs, the best thing you can do is say, the dice fall where they may. Great, I'm going to min-max the heck out of this character. Because I don't feel like you arbitrarily killing me because you rolled a four. All right? And didn't mm-hmm. have the mm-hmm. guts, the guts as a GM Ooh. to fudge your roll. Yep. I'm going to take a hard stance on this one. Oof. Uh, well, I like that stance. I'm I'm with you on it. I I, I think uh, I, I don't think we're divided on on the notions we're, where we're talking about here. Um, but that but that being said, I think in things like combat and stuff like that, for the most part, yeah, sure, you can let the dice fall if you enjoy the more rolly aspect. And in some of your combats, especially with yard trash, like you mentioned, just kind of interim fights. Yeah. Sure, just like you know, play with the dice. Let the dice be the determinant factor. If you, and that's if all you as a GM fair. have a control on the lethality of your game and the consequential. Uh, issues of your game. If you have a good handle on that stuff, and you know how how to how to uh, to dole out and not and to to withhold consequences, then go ahead. Right? Absolutely. Yep. That's because what I'm it, it, the, the the problem the problems really only arise when it's it, it comes to a situation that's that's not hugely story important, and something terrible happens because of a dice roll that shouldn't have happened, and alters the story in a in, in a way that is unrecoverable. Okay. Yep. And that's that's when you're starting to have a problem. Like you know, you walk into a room and you step on a trap and you die, and it's just this random trap in the middle of a dungeon that didn't matter. Holy crap! Don't do that, GMs. Uh, I did that to you. I'll never do it. Oh, you did it to me. You did it to me. <laughs> you did indeed. So I, that's that's how we feel about uh, about dice in games, right? That's right. That's dice undesigned. Undesigned. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, give us a, a rating, give us a, a like, give us a review. I do hope you enjoyed this episode very much. You can find it uh, on iTunes. Uh, we also have it hosted up on our website on Ventureland Games. I'll get it more places soon, I promise. Uh, you can check out all the rest of my stuff on YouTube under my name, Vincent Venturella. We appreciate you listening to this one. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.